0: Hey, welcome to the Providence Leftist Radio. It's Crow, and we're going to be talking about a quiet amount of things going on in our city and state. But before I go into that, please remember to check out our Patreon, help support us to continue doing what we're doing. And from there, we also have a possible new co-host who will be introducing themselves right now.
1: Howdy, my name is Isaiah Tobias Lee. I am an organizer of Mutual Aid and a... Electoral dude, meaning I work in electoral politics and I try to promote a lot of candidates, although I also uh, completely respect the right not to vote, as I understand that that's a that's a very big conversation in uh, far left in far left politics. And I know that there are uh, that my responsibility as somebody who's advocating for candidates is to convince them that this is the right candidate to vote for. And so if I can't do that job properly, then that's on me and my candidate. Um, and I also uh, before in the before times uh, before COVID, I worked as a busker, which means I played instruments on the side of the road and dressed in a weird getup. And that was very fun. Um,
0: What kind of instrument?
1: uh, Anambura, which is a little uh, wooden box that has metal uh, bars to pluck. Um, That's my best description of it. (laughs) Hell yeah. And what kind of getup did you wear? Oh, um, uh, I basically dressed like a rugged cowboy scarecrow. And the main reason is because that was the actual clothes that I owned at the time and I just wore the worst clothes that I could possibly imagine. And then people would say, oh, that's a costume. And it was great. <laughs> nice. Uh
2: I should also add, this is Alex, uh, this will be my last official episode on PLR podcast. It's a little bittersweet because I think that what Andy and I created uh two Novembers ago and then you know Evan came in a few months later has really blossomed into A beautiful resource for left-aligned people in the state of Rhode Island and in Providence in particular. But I do believe, along with Evan, along with Andy, that it is in need of younger voices. Uh, And so long as PLR podcast can serve as a platform for younger voices to boost up mutual aid efforts, to boost up organizations in the state... I think that that's great. And, you know, I I sort of have a lot of other things going on right now with the Rhode Island Communist Party, with finishing my dissertation work, uh, and other obligations that, that I have. So I'm really excited to pass the torch to Crow and Isaiah and to see where they take it. And also, like, I'm really sad to be leaving the PLR Twitter because that's where I got into all my debates with people. Uh, that's where I was the most pedantic. So I really hope that that continues. Carlos, or Crow will be in charge of of the uh, Twitter now. I'm a
1: huge fan of your Twitter work, by the way. Thank you, (laughs) it is a lot of work. Your constant arguing is like really inspirational.
0: I mean that seriously, but. (laughs) Yeah, I'll see who I argue with, wouldn't I use the Twitter? I mean, I already argue when I use my regular Twitter, but my regular Twitter, a little unhinged, but I like it that way. (laughs) But anyways. What's going on in our city and state? A whole bunch of things. I'll start off with something simple. Simple. We're going to talk about our very own and most favorite mode of transportation. <laughs> Caution, buses turning. <laughs> I thought you so, meant hoverboards. Oh, those? I hate every time I see those. They're not even
2: hoverboards, right? The thing that they call hoverboards, they don't even hover. There's a wheel on them.
0: Yeah. I do know. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I know what you're talking about. I just generally, anytime I see someone riding down the street with that, I already don't like them.
2: <laughs> true. They look so pretentious.
0: Yeah. So also, that thing looks like, if you mess up, oof. True. So,
1: yeah.
0: when we're talking about Ripta, our favorite mode of transportation, they decided that we're just going to cut services to the beach and... Right now, while we're recording this episode, it is really hot outside. Everyone's going to the beach. And it's interesting how RIPTA decided they they would stop services from Providence going to the South County beaches because people would be going to the beaches. The the reasoning that they gave was that um, not enough people were taking the RIPTA bus last year, except The thing about that is if you remember what happened last year, we kind of had a thing called a global pandemic. Not as many people were traveling in the first place. Not as many people were open to be going to beaches. So the fact that they were to use something like that as a reasoning to um, stop the services for this year for people to try going to the beach from our very own Providence, Rhode Island, to other parts of the state is pretty messed up luckily our governor McKee decided to basically say that's ridiculous. Cause everyone thought that was ridiculous. Everyone except those who are managing Ripta, And he stopped that where the buses are still going to be going to the beach on hot days. Like today, maybe they, they're going to, it's only going to get warmer.
2: So he did stop it. Yes. He so stopped. The buses it. are
0: still going to go to the beach. The buses are still going to go to the beach. So you should definitely consider going to the beach via the bus. If that's a way you would go. Um, or, you know, take your car or any other way because it is really warm out. Maybe they
2: were trying to like cost certain, cert- save costs because of gas prices and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. So the, some dumb
2: bureaucrat in it was probably like, let's not go to the beach anymore. We'll save money that way. Yeah.
0: There's still that so many problems with that as well because if they wanted to save costs, uh, and then they were saying not as many people are taking it why not use a smaller bus maybe even use one of the trolleys that and take the direct line because it is an express lane a line from providence to the beaches Mm -hmm. i saw someone on twitter say that they
1: kind of considered that governor mckee had like asked uh ripta to take away those buses just so that he could demand that they stay in place so like that's free campaign advertising for him
2: oh that makes so much sense
1: yeah that's a cheap
0: win that's a conspiracy but i'm with it (laughs) it's
1: conspiracy for sure but it's also hilarious so i decided to promote it on this um on my first day (laughs) hell yeah i
2: don't think it's below dan mckee to be honest with you though yeah he does a lot of
0: he's a politician and there's one thing we know about politicians you can't trust any of them
1: it's true Yeah. And the question there is more like, is he smart enough to come up with that? Not really. Is he like a good enough person to come up with that? You
0: know? (laughs) Sorry. Go ahead. But yeah. And you know, the fact that that happened again, even though like it was like overturned, the fact that it uh, was going to happen in the first place pretty messed up like yeah you get you you can use all sorts of things it's you can go you can start talking about how it's pretty classist you know stopping yeah. people from the urban city from going into these uh beaches and other parts of the state but yeah um you know what they publicly said was due to low patronage which again is illogical considering that the reason they were saying that was using information of last year while we were living in a global pandemic where again people weren't really going to the beach as often last year and the year before that yeah and from there what else is going on in our city and state
2: although i do have to say last year i went to the beach and there were a lot of people there but it was all cars because the cities with major beaches um they charge like $20 per car to park. And so I think that the state also incentivizes people to travel there and not via the bus so that they have to pay those beaches to park their cars. Makes sense.
1: That makes a lot of sense. I also, I also think that it might have like a lot to do with the way that like rents are skyrocketing and, um, you know, prices in, in every aspect of Providence are skyrocketing. And so, like there has to be some point where they say, you know, here is the center of all homeless populations in Rhode Island. Um, We need to get rid of this so that uh, properties like uh, all of the Paolino properties near uh, Kennedy Plaza and that uh, the new Superman building activities are, you know, more uh, appropriate for certain audiences, um, you know, uh, of the upper class variety.
0: Oh, I have something to add into that real quick as well. For sure. But before I do that, I do want to also leave off in regards to that RIPTA story that um, Joe Cole, the vice president of the union that represents the RIPTA employees, um, he, he is quoted in saying, we're the ocean state. If we can't go to the beach, it makes no sense. Facts. But yeah, and speaking of like things in RIPTA and upcoming events, um, Providence is finally having the return of PVD Fest. If you don't know what PVD Fest is, it is a yearly event that has been on hiatus due to COVID that would have people from all across the city stay and even further come together and celebrate music, art, local vendors, and so forth. But the main thing about um, PVD Fest, aside from being able to uh open carry uh alcohol which is pretty neat although now that i'm in my mid-20s it's not as appealing um but it is a neat event a lot of music it's not as good as it used to be i mean uh, ignoring the fact that it didn't happen for a while but like before it stopped happening it wasn't as good as like some of the even older ones but if you ever notice um kind of messed up every time events like pvd fest happen they kind of just uh chew away everyone who would use rip the buses and like the more impoverished folks who would be in those areas into just other parts of the city where they would be less visible while mainly tourists even though this event is called PVD fest i've got to be honest a lot of people who are coming to these events are tourists are there basically being able to have a quick advertisement of all these lofts happening all around town whether it's um Former spots that used to be venues like Aurora, which are now, if last I checked, supposed to be turning into like luxury apartments or like some luxury luxury building space. Everything to like, let's say this year, the Superman building, which they are planning to have people live there if the deal goes through. I'm not fully remembering if it went through or not. But if you also remember last time we talked about it, when they talked about affordable housing, the amount of money that you needed to make the median was about fifty thousand dollars a year for you to be able to live in the affordable housing which doesn't sound that affordable to literally anyone who lives in the city yeah. but yeah that's one quick thing
1: uh <laughs> <laughs> no doubt the gentrification is absolutely insane lately i don't know if you guys have like i don't know if you guys frequent like uh panadarias but um like i i uh used to go to one that um I, I hadn't gone to in a while and then because um, it was just like the uh, they used to only take cash now they take card um, and Google Pay which only white people use um, and
0: they they only took um, The hell is Google Pay? No it's just uh, you, can, um, you can set your card you can link your card to Google and then you use Google itself to help pay for things. Yeah. Like Apple Pay it's like uh, just the. Another way for you to pay things. Mm.
1: And they also only spoke English when I, when I entered, whereas they used to only speak Spanish and, um, you know, the menu was in English and it was, uh, kind of like a, a real, um, what's the word? It just, it, it was a turns everything around. I
0: yeah. 100% know what you mean. I'd say it's perfectly fine to keep that in because as myself, you know, I'm Hispanic and I've grew up around all sorts of panaderias in Providence. And I've seen a lot of them come and go, unfortunately. And yeah, um, part of it is also like, as time goes on, you know, they're, they're shifting to do that in order to make sure that they have multiple options in order for people to come in and pay them. But it is pretty obvious that in many of our neighborhoods where a lot of these like locations exist or existed, um, we are seeing like parts of Providence become gentrified or parts of Providence having the rent increase, meaning that a lot of like families, specifically like families who are immigrants, no longer being able to afford to live in the same neighborhoods that they raised us in.
1: Yeah. And of course, also I do recognize that they got to do what they got to do, but like, also it does, you know, it feels some type of way to know that they got to do what they got to do. Yeah. It's
0: it's a perspective. Yeah. Um, And I don't
1: want to participate in that kind of thing either.
2: But to be fair, I think that, Oh, first of all, I think that that is an aspect of gentrification that like isn't talked about as much. Usually we talk about it in terms of like rent and pushing people out. But um, these businesses that are owned by, for example, Latino people um, who are then faced with a transformation of their own community into predominantly English speaking people in order to stay afloat, in order to stay a business, they have to they feel like they have to um, transform into English menus and English speakers and probably hiring English speaking waiters of some sort. And so the, the onus of, of trying to match that gentrification is on them and it sucks, right? Because obviously you don't want to do that. You want to be able to have your business how you want to have it. But unfortunately the way that the, the city and the state, gives them that circumstances well you have to adapt and this is how you adapt by getting rid of your your language pretty much yeah
0: mm-hmm. and essentially it's rough again we're seeing disgentrification continuously consume our entire neighborhoods in our city and it, part of it is like what what can we do um well also what well, part of it what well, can we do is to make sure that um you know whether it's like tenant like unions, for example, like the R.I. Ten, uh, tenant Network. I want to see what's the, the tenant, same, network, tenant network. Tenant Network R.I. Like uh because how a lot of this happens is basically uh landlords would decide, hey, get out of here. And or like they would uh, unfairly raise these rents while the conditions of the house wouldn't have changed at all. And forcing people to leave their homes that they've been living in and raising their families for such a long time just to be replaced by. Those who will be continuing the gentrification of those neighborhoods. And it's a reason why things like tenant networks and unions are needed to make sure that tenants have control and are, can, are able to keep having the ability to exist in their neighborhoods and push back against that upcoming gentrification. Because they'll all matter in the end, because they'll go from tenants to the businesses which are in those areas as well. Yeah, for sure now besides that um something pretty messed up uh in relation to east providence so a east providence police officer was recently suspended and his the reason for his suspension was of course he abused his wife so essentially what happened is it's this- so
2: bizarre that the stereotype of Cops beating their wives is not a stereotype, but it's like repeatedly something that just turns out to be true. You would think that like, you know, the police would like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They would like vet the people that they hire, you know, like maybe check if they're alcoholics or, you know, check in on what their home life is or something like that, just to avoid this like repeated offense of police just beating their wives. I mean, why even get married if you're gonna put the fuck out of the place? Yeah, because one yeah. thing
0: when it comes to being a police officer, and also it goes beyond being an alcoholic. I mean, to be honest, I myself love drinking alcohol, it's pretty cool sometimes. But then, yeah, make sure you control yourself as well. But um, you know, this these are who police um, departments want to hire. These police departments want to hire bullies, they want to hire these uh, mainly men who would go around and you and do these acts of violence towards the people who they lie and claim they protect when really they only protect of course property and the interests of the upper class. And going back to this officer specifically, his name is Stefan Evans, 41 years old. And what he was charged with, it was assault and battery of a family slash household member, that being his wife. So there are some things, there's a lot of developments in this and this is still going on. But the, what I found disturbing is that, like, for example, when the news department would reach out to him, um, his response was just have fun with the story. Like, hmm.
1: Comedic villain type line.
0: Yeah, but here's the part. Um, he is a sergeant of, uh, of the East Providence Police. And, yes, he was suspended, of course, as the general suspended with pay. But a few days after, his wife um, ended up trying to um have it all have it all dismissed she said that uh she was She actually made it all up which is pretty disturbing concerning especially for her own safety yeah whether maybe there's ways that people who happen to maybe know these individuals personally or maybe something that can be done because again like her husband who was a police officer attacked her and now most likely is the one that forced her whether it was him or again, other police officers protecting their own, basically convincing her to drop, dismiss it all. Yeah. Of course, it's, these are things which we can't fully confirm. And at this point you could say it's an accusation, but knowing how things are with police officers in this country, Google 40% and that'll be all with that. But yes, um, long story short, police are scum. Is it 40% of cops that are
2: domestic abusers? Is yes. The 40% is.
1: Yeah. Seems a lot more than that.
2: I guess it's. I mean, it's the, it's the amount
0: that, that got that's reported. Yeah. It's because
1: so. the definition of abuse when legislated is, um, are you a cop? Okay. Then you get away with it. So, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's all really, really disturbing. And I feel like if somebody was ever going to make a false accusation against a cop, they would stick to it. They would have some motivations. And like, I feel like the biggest indicator of the fact that she's telling the truth is the, the fact that she retracted it later. I don't know. That's my personal hot take. Yeah. I agree with that. How, how are you
2: going to, how are you going to come out with that and then retract it and expect not expect people to be like what? Yeah, it doesn't make sense.
3: Yeah. yeah, and
0: this is an incident that the reason all of these charges came in the fact was because nine one one was called mm-hmm. in the first place, and of course the officers who came were then then ha- those officers who came to the house then had concluded that the aggressor was the husband, the officer who had assaulted his own wife. Honestly, that was a twist. I expected
1: I expected you to say that they were going to take the cops' side. That blows my mind. And the the fact that I had such low standards
0: is a I don't know. I mean, in the end, like that's what this sh- that, that's what they put in paperwork. As yeah. far as like the police officers there, again, cops always defend them, them their own. That's why every time we see police officers do some incredibly messed up things, whether it's in our own State or across the country, the main ones who are making sure that uh, these officers are protected are other officers themselves. Yeah. Again, just always remember, AC, AB.
2: I mean, the the police will have to technically take her side as long as the as long as the accusations stand. Um, but like. I mean, they have to do that publicly to save face, but they can still suspend this guy with paid suspension as like a you know, kind of support. You know what I mean? Like, I'd love to be suspended with pay. That'd be great. Just be home, yeah, making money doing nothing. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. He's at home more? Mm -hmm. Can you imagine how sociopathic you have to be to beat the person that you live with and that you've been with? Probably, I'm gonna guess for like if he's 41, I'm gonna guess he's probably been married at least 10 or five years, right? And yeah. living with that same person. So can you imagine how sociopathic you have to be to beat a person that you live with, that like you see every day, that you
0: that sleeps with you and that like, I don't know, it just blows my mind. Yeah, the mentality of police officer is one that is truly... It all satisfying. has to do with power. Yeah.
1: yeah, it all has to do with power. And if you like... I, I've like canvassed um, police officers while canvassing for like defund the police and I, I got them to support it. And and the main way that I approached it was like, don't you want like less stressful responsibilities and stuff like that. The entire Medicare for All team from the DSA, you know, Bruce and and uh, Bruce, who is now co-chair. And um, aside from that, there was a Catholic um, priest or leader religious leader from Britain who had talked about how Medicare for all is a staple point in his country and he believes in expanding it to the entire world as a staple of his religion. Um, Damn they went
2: international with this.
1: Yeah it was (laughs) it was crazy like um, you know they like put a whole bunch of detail into finding all of these speakers and it was the same for the abortion bill. Um, I believe that the abortion bill um, it was Bill seven four four two and seven four four three, and they uh, basically uh, protected abortion by by making sure that you know funds could go to that and uh, provide equality in access to abortion for low income uh, people, um, and. They uh, There were mixed testimonies on that one, whereas the Medicare for All one, pretty much everyone had testified in support. Uh, but the mixed testimonies were very entertaining because people claimed, you know, like on, on the right-leaning side of things, uh, people would claim things such as that um, people of color need protection from abortion by, by banning abortion because... Um, they're the ones who are most likely to get abortions or have sterilizations and, uh, and abortions forced on them. And that point kind of just stuck with me because, um, you know, that seems like an exact, that seems like the exact reason why we should pass reproductive free- freedom so that, um, you know, people of all races can have access to and you know decide for themselves whether or not they want to have children and it doesn't have to be forced on them by the government regardless of whether that is abortion or um you know forced sterilizations and things like that was Um, it white people making those arguments? yes yes of course
0: (laughs) and you know what's pretty messed up this one goes in regards to what's happening nationally but people will be talking about how much they care about people of color and then, you know, about their issues in relation to abortion. Yet they are dead silent with the acts of evil that ICE detention centers that those who work for and with ICE are doing to immigrants. Yeah. And one of the things that they've been doing to immigrants, which has been an ongoing and well-documented thing is the forced or not the forced exactly, but the coercion of sterilizing immigrants. And it's completely, again, an act of evil.
1: It's also worth noting that at the same time as this whole abortion debate has been going on nationally, which, you know, targets, um, you know, women, especially uh, white women who the government, you know, would love to reproduce more, um, for white majority purposes at the same time as all of that's going on. Um, the indigenous, the Indian child welfare act, um, which protects indigenous children from being adopted outside of reservations and tribal, uh, tribal members, um, is now being challenged. And aside from that, there's also, you know, a, a ton of like, uh, suppression on the, um, on the events of uh, residential schools. You know, I, I saw the report from the government um, about residential schools. Um, and it, it seems like it's not really getting around except for inside indigenous communities. Um, so like, there's so many aspects at play that like show the exact narrative of, of why they're going after um, abortion. Like, um, if they were going after abortion to protect a life, wouldn't they protect the lives of these indigenous children and immigrant children, as you were saying, and, um, you know, protect black children who are being targeted by the police and things like that.
2: Yeah, and then there's also the, like thinking nationally on the federal level, there's also uh, that bill that, or the lack of bill to protect um, uh, formula prices that happened recently that like Republicans voted against which again belies this whole point of trying to protect life right yeah
0: yeah this conversation was never about life it was just about control again we're going back to power yeah they just want to have the power to control people's bodily autonomy to control people in any way they can
2: well it has to do with capital too because they don't want the price of this formula to go down because then that means that companies like johnson johnson and procter and gamble who create this the formula that's sold predominantly lose uh, profits from from that being sold. So like a big part of the entire uh, abortion debate has to do with these companies that are developing baby products, for lack of a better word. I don't know what it's called. Even though I have a child, baby product, you know, like formula, uh, swaddle blankets, I don't know, anything else you can think of, baby toys, all that stuff, diapers that, you know, you have to buy every week, if not every month, um, enormous profits in the baby industry. And so any threat to that uh, is viewed as a problem, particularly by Republicans who are funded by those big, major corporations.
0: And, you know, speaking about Republicans, this once again, we're going to start off with something talking about more nationally or internationally, which would then bring us back to something happening local. So, you know, who recently, um, <laughs> who recently um, announced that they were becoming a Republican, Elon Musk. Elongated muskrat. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of things. And if you, if you, you might already know we're about, where we're about to go with this, but Elon Musk, if I'm correct, currently the richest man on the planet has like made a whole sort of um, well, that's the best way I can put it. Um, some crybaby shenanigans online. And he has been coming out and saying, like, I'm like a Republican anymore. These Democrats, this and that. Um, uh, just so many things. Just, just normal people don't talk like that. And it turns out that it looks like he planned it all because um Recently, it came out that he was sexually harassing one of his own employees. And he paid her, if I remember correctly, $250,000, right? Mm -hmm. Just to keep her silence. And this was back in 2016. And the reason why he made all these things on like things like Twitter and talking about how he's gonna be targeted, he made all of that coincidentally like a few hours after a reporter reached out to him for a comment while they were working on that article in relation to that. So pretty interesting um, timing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So all of these are, you know, it's an allegation. It's well, I mean um, the $250,000 that he gave to an employee to get her like a pony or a horse. That's real. That's pretty real. Um, but he's shifting, the, he's shifting it all to basically make it seem like uh, people are attacking him just because he says, oh, I'm Republican. No, he just planned that as a way to give himself protection, as a way to like shift the conversation around, make it like make him control the narrative, make him control narrative on a website, for example, that he's trying to buy. And, you know, someone in our city got a lot of flack for that who didn't deserve it. And that was Enrique Sanchez, a local teacher. Um, He's currently running for district rep of district nine, I want to say. And uh, recently there was a whole amount of complaining from like people who have no idea what the heck they're talking about and being angry at a teacher educating his students, educating his students about how there are issues where a rich man, the richest man on the planet, would use his money to buy one of the largest social media um, websites on the planet, which again, he's trying to use it as well to hide and like shift the conversations about his recent allegations of sexual harassment. And we've seen many people who really love to be a fanboy and Really, for some reason, some strange sense of, like, fanboying for a spoiled rich brat.
2: It's like, it's the crypto dudes. It really blows my mind how forgiving people are for Elon Musk. Uh, like, you know, on the one hand, they can be like, oh, Jeff Bezos, he's a terrible guy, which, like, true. But then on the other hand, they'll be like, Elon Musk, not so bad. You know, Tesla's cool and he's trying to make it green and yada, yada, yada and all this other stuff. But like, uh, you know, I think as this past week shows and with that, all of that stuff, it, it, it demonstrates that like Elon Musk isn't really that much different than Donald Trump, for example, or or any other of these. Rich assholes. Um, yeah. you know, I, I'm thinking of the Stormy Daniels controversy with Donald Trump where he paid her, I think, probably around the equal amount of money to not say anything about what they had done. Uh, you imagine having so much money that you could just pay people to, like... Pay their silence. Yeah, not say anything. That's ridiculous.
0: Yeah. It's ridiculous yeah. to think about. So, again, it, there has been such a interesting backslash where people who would want uh, someone who is an educator like Enrique who did nothing wrong he was educating his students and being real with his students about the richest man on the planet that maybe you should also remember that he's the richest man on the planet he doesn't give a shit that you exist why are you spending so much time trying to defend again the richest man on the planet who never really invented anything all his inventions come from the workers that he hires, and his all his wealth originally came from South African apartheid, where there straight up was just genocide and the complete and total stealing of land. That's where his money comes from. He's, he, he, this, this whole conversation that he tries to lie and say that he came from humble beginnings is not true. I like all the memes that were because
2: when he bought Tesla, he started claiming that like he created Tesla. They did. I like all the memes that were doing the same for Twitter. It was like, no. yeah. And it's also so such I'm an like, easy
0: search. You like he, he, he has the title of founder for Tesla because it turns out if you have a certain amount of money, you can literally pay for a title of founder for a company. Yeah. That is a real thing.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's bizarre. I, uh, uh was I gonna say? I was gonna say, in relation to Enrique, it's always easier for mainstream white America to scapegoat and, and dump their wrath on people of color than it is on other white people, uh, such as Elon Musk. And there, there were some people on Twitter saying that Elon Musk isn't white because he's
0: African. And it didn't make any ah. sense. At
2: all. It didn't make any sense at all.
1: But there were people legitimately making that argument. And I was Elon like, Musk yeah.
0: is a very white man. He's
1: a very white guy. Yes. I don't know how to tell you all, but there's white people in Africa, and they aren't. They aren't doing so. They, they aren't doing a lot of good things. Um.
2: <laughs> do you think? Do you think his turn toward republicanism has to do with Grimes going communist?
3: Ooh. That uh. this is like
2: his reaction.
0: I mean, considering his like his whole his spiteful reaction, spiteful reaction to everything, it's like really interesting to see like um, just seeing how he acts online. Like uh, again, this this man is like fifty something years old, and he's acting like a teenager on social media, like like fucking um yeah Grimes fucking dumped him and then suddenly he's just making conveniently all these posts of, and then suddenly becoming republican now after that man going through a midlife crisis right now
2: yeah for real yeah uh so who's our guest for today do you want to announce them
0: yes so our guest is going to be a more a more is a organization that i hold very deeply into my heart <laughs> um They'll be talking to us about um, some recent events that they've been going through and about what they are work- currently working towards. Amor does a lot of variety of things in relation to immigrant justice and making sure that they are a resource for the local community who need help in relation to um, the injustices of what groups like ICE do. Stay tuned for Amore. Hell yeah. Welcome back to the Providence Leftist Radio. So we're going to be having a guest today, and that guest is Amor. Amor is a network which I hold close and dear to my heart. Of course, I already said that earlier in this episode, but again, I love Amor. Amor has done so much great work for our community, specifically our immigrant community, and we're going to have our guests of Amor introduce themselves. We can start with Sophia.
4: Hi, I'm Sophia. Um, it's really great to um, be here with y'all. Um, I use they and she pronouns and I've been working with them more in many different capacities since we started. Um, so yeah, right now I'm, I do a lot of communications work um, for the network um, and yeah, I'll pass it to Katha.
3: Hola, Uh, thank you for inviting us today. My name is Catarina Lorenzo. And yeah, I'm working with Amor since the beginning. And because we see the need, then we start, uh, yeah, Amor. And now we are, I am like feeling the director um, part of Amor. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So... For our listeners, um, when it comes to a more, what does a more stand for, and what does a more do?
4: All right, I'm going to talk a little bit, and then Kata can fill in the blanks. Um, so, um, a more, we came up with the name Alliance to mobilize our resistance um, when uh, in 2016, when we found out Trump got elected. Um, We had a series of community meetings um, where we came together with different organizations in Providence mainly um, to talk about what we felt like we were going to need to do to mobilize um, against um, what we saw coming with Trump. Um, So that's where we started. Um, We wanted to have an intersectional movement space where we were fighting against um, not only immigration detention, but also police violence and what we knew would be more um, state-sponsored violence, including hate crimes. Um, just based on the hate speech that we had already heard from Trump during his campaign, we knew that that would become policy. So, um, a lot of the orgs that work with them more, like Direct Action for Rights and Equality, PRISM, Providence Student Movement, the FANG Collective, um, these were all organizations that um, were already doing work against state violence in specific um, other types of movement, like organizing. Um, so we knew we, if we worked together as a coalition, we would be powerful, right? And we also knew that there was more of a need in Providence to also have like an a space that where like immigrant. Uh, anti-immigrant detention work was happening um, with the Spanish speaking population. I think that was sort of the niche that we ended up filling um, because we knew there was a need there. Um, So yeah, we um, ended up starting um, our support line a year in. um, And at the beginning it was 24 hours. um, And we did that because we were worried about immigration raids and we wanted people to be able to call if there was a raid happening and then have a community response where we could show up and, um, and defend our community. Um, and in a lot of, over the years, and that was back in 2018 when it finally did open, because we spent about a year really just recruiting lawyers and like trying to figure out um, how we could connect people with resources once they reached out to us. And then we also, um, yeah, had to set up the infrastructure of this network um, and and reach out to volunteers and bring in community resources. Um, so today, um, not only do we continue to have our support line, which is from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. every day of the week, we also have uh, campaigns, which we didn't have when we started um, Our campaign to shut down the Wyatt Detention Center in Central Falls, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about more. Um, And we also have regional campaigns against um, Plymouth County Detention Center in collaboration with other organizations in Massachusetts. And um, we have a bail fund so that we can release people from the Wyatt uh, and other detention centers uh, when possible. And We try to connect people who call our support line to resources like mental health support um, or any other types of community resources that we have access to. Um, So yeah, what did I miss, Kata?
3: Yeah, I think, yes, like you said, we are feeling a need in in Rhode Island because yes, we work in Providence, or office, uh, yeah, used to be in Providence, but, not, but now we are going to move in Patauket. Uh, then we work yeah, with people, especially in Central Falls, because there is the Wajet facility and also in Patoket. One thing that makes us different, we try a more to be like a safety place, place like everybody can be there. And people can respect each other, and it doesn't matter uh, all the differences that make us different, like uh, beliefs and sexual orientation, like culture, uh, country, where where you come from, like language, different stuff that make us like different from each other. We say like that is something we need to learn because, yeah. Island is little, but also there is a, a, a lot of people that we are. Ha, we have different backgrounds that make us more like I don't know a rich community because because of that. Uh, yeah, we want to build that a space where everybody can be uh, saved and also from the government. Um, how we can say like force because. We don't work with ICE, we don't work with the police, we don't work with any uh, governmental uh, force because we don't believe that they support us or they really care our community. That's why we have, yeah, we don't really support that um, system. I think that, and yeah.
0: Hell yeah. yeah. So like you mentioned, like Amor stands with the community and takes a stand, against the injustices of groups like ICE. And the primary location where um, ICE ends up holding people unjustifiably is at Wyatt. And for those who don't know, Wyatt is a detention center uh, jail located in Central Falls, which is right next to Pawtucket, small city, Um, That population, that city, I want to say, is a very huge population of um, people who are Hispanic, if I'm correct. And to know that a city like that, I mean, even the mayor is Hispanic uh, and seeing how ICE, ICE is working with Wyatt to hold people there is cruel, And Amor does a lot of actions in relation to that. If y'all could talk about some of the actions you've done in Providence, for example, in regards to Wyatt.
4: Yeah, um, it's been a while. Um, I think our last action at the Wyatt Detention Center was also our fifth anniversary um, on February 14th. Um, And we did a car rally and um, a little vigil um, outside of the Wyatt, um, and before that, um, I believe it was um, probably back in August. Um, we had another vigil to remember um, the person who was um, murdered while they were at the Wyatt, or um, through a. Human rights abuses and a lack of medical care for the institution um, back in 2008, I believe. Um, And he was um, the reason that originally the first ICE contract was um, canceled with the Wyatt Detention Center. And um, then in 2019, they re signed the contract. so recently, our most recent action against the Wyatt Detention Center was in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and the reason we went there, um, and just to explain a little bit about the, the Wyatt um, quasi-public um, status. So basically, um, when the mayor of Central Falls agreed to have the ICE, um, contract renewed, uh, or reopened back in 2019, um, the public, um, came out and said they didn't want that. Um, and that included, that included us, that included other community organizations that came together to say that they didn't want to see that happen. And so then eventually the city council and the mayor overturned that and were planning to close it. Um, cancel the ICE contract. And what happened was the investors in the Wyatt, um, which we know as Invesco, which is the majority bondholder of the Wyatt Detention Center, sued the city of Central Falls for trying to shut down the ICE contract. So um, essentially they said they wanted to keep making their money. Um, They didn't want to, and this is actually a Bankrupt institution. It's not benefiting the city. The city puts in more than it makes. Um, it's not a profitable business, right? Um, but these investors um, don't really care about the needs and well being of this community. Um, and so they sued the city, and they still have a lawsuit open against the city. And that's what's keeping um, the ICE contract going. Um, and so we went to Atlanta to tell to their um, annual shareholder meeting, their first in-person one since the pandemic, to tell them that they needed to drop their lawsuit against the city of Central Falls and stop investing in the Wyatt Detention Center. Um, so that's that's how we ended up there um, this past, um, last week, um, last Thursday. I believe it was. Yeah. Um, A lot of
0: things happened there. mm -hmm. Um, I remember like, uh, I was looking online and, um, what started as, you know, it was peaceful. It was pretty, it was just a normal protest. We all were there, um, pretty much, you know, voicing your concerns and voicing that what they're doing is pretty messed up. And then that's when they had the police, um, they, they, uh, ended up sicking the police on y'all and four people were arrested, correct?
4: Yeah, that was back in, Kata, um, I think you can speak a little bit more that, about that. I think, uh, were you there that that night?
3: Uh, the other time? Mm-hmm. We, I think, okay, I don't remember about exactly. We've been at the Wyatt several times, like since 2019. We were doing like different kind of action, but I think the big action that specifically for Amor, and um, it was difficult. Yeah, it, it, it was in 20, 2020 at the end. And yes, we, three people was uh, was charged, uh, but yeah, I think they, wa- they were released after one day, the next day, they were released by central fault police. Uh, yeah.
0: Although, um, I think people were also arrested at the Atlanta protest as well, for oh, at, at the um, Invesco um, protest.
4: Okay, I thought you were asking about the, the protest a while back, but but yeah, no, that, yeah, four people were arrested, um, three of whom were okay with having their faces out there in the media, and so that those were the three that we saw, um, in, and we t- sort of talked about, but yeah, um, we were essentially peacefully protesting in front of their building. Um, and we're not planning to get arrested at all. Um, it was, um, really, you know, we were doing what we do, making noise. Um, and the police showed up really quickly and just started grabbing people. Um, so usually when, at least here in Rhode Island and, in and Massachusetts and other spaces like that we're used to, people will, um, get a warning first from the police and then we can choose to leave, which was our original plan. Um, but the police in Atlanta and Fulton County, um, just started grabbing people. And if you saw the video, it was very, um, it was very violent, uh, the way that they, um pulled people aside um without any sort of warning or provocation so
0: yeah y'all weren't doing anything aside from just protesting um again it's everyone's given right to be able to protest in this country yet uh, the police who again often show that they are for the people they are for these rich um investors, for example, among those investors called them. The police showed up there immediately, pretty much, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. and pretty much uh did a unjustifiable arrest. Mm-hmm. Luckily, everyone's pretty is out. And I recall um part of it is also due to the bail fund that um Amore and Fang have, right?
4: We actually were really grateful um, that a group in Atlanta was able to, I think it's called the Atlanta Solidarity Fund, um, were able to bail us out in that moment. Um, And we're in conversation with them about, you know, paying them back. But this is the power of the community bail fund, right? Like we um, do this action in a state, you know, that we're not very familiar with. There's a community of people there who are um, at, the same time um, doing actions against um, the police in Atlanta, that week was a week of action. Um, it's called uh, the Stop Cop City. Um, and those folks came out and supported us during our action and also were able to connect us with people like the Atlanta Solidarity Fund um, and and will have con- continued to help and, and support. So, um, yeah. so that's sort of, of
0: yeah. Yeah, I th- actually, funny enough, I think the first time I heard "Stop Cop City" was a uh, <laughs> uh, unrelated to everything, but only because I'm a cu- I'm a punk. Is um, my first uh, time I saw "Stop uh, Stop Cop City" was that um, a band called Warthog put up a uh, billboard for their recent like uh, music oh, yeah, release, and then someone came. And spray painted over it, and it Ooh. said like uh, they t- they put in the um, stop cop city and uh, defend Atlanta forests. I want to say yes. Um, so that was kind of funny. Just an unrelated tangent, but that was the first time I ever heard of them. So yeah, um, it's really cool that um they were able to help you all out.
4: Yeah, we um, met some folks who were defending the forest while we were there. Um, it's still a movement. Um, in the process of um people defending the land. I yeah. don't know. I don't know a whole lot about it, but they definitely were in solidarity with our work.
0: They, they do a lot of cool things. I've seen, they, they, um, they make some nice videos. One of the main like videos, if you like, if this is like the kind of thing you're into, you may have seen for our listeners who are listening, you may have seen like any videos of people, like, just like dancing in the middle of a forest talking about how like they're dancing and blocking off helicopters from coming in. That's them. That's the Atlanta forest folks. They're good. They're good folks. Um, but yeah, back to, um, Amor. So after that happened, uh, luckily folks were freed. Um, what's next?
4: We're going to continue. I mean, it doesn't end until it's gone. We have to shut it down. And I think one of the messages that our folks really want to, um, stress is that we're not just trying to shut this place down because it's a detention center. It's also a jail. Um, it's an incarceration facility. So, um, we're... Um, an abolitionist organization. We don't believe in prisons and we don't believe in the police. Um, like, obviously, they exist, but we don't believe they should. Um, and we think the community um, has um, what it takes to support itself and keep itself safe um, through nonviolent and non traumatizing means um, and, like, through healing. Um, so I think our for Amor, um, we're going to continue to fight against the, the Wyatt Detention Center. Obviously, um, you know, if there are people who are listening who would like to help and get involved, like reach out to us. We're on Instagram, at more Network. Um, we're always trying to um, invite folks to our events. Um, we're holding a fundraiser on June 4th. Um, it's for our virtual 5k. Um, So if you wanna support, um, there's a post about it on our Instagram and we're gonna keep posting about it. um, So you can join us. Um, But there's also like a free picnic. So if you wanna come to the picnic, um, buy some food, meet us, um, we'll be out there as well.
0: Heck yeah, that's gonna be June 5th, correct? June 4th. June 4th, sorry. (laughs) So it'll be June 4th and um, quick question, what is a virtual 5k?
4: So it's a 5K where you can do whatever you want, however you want, at your own pace. Uh, You don't have to run. You can walk. You can jog. You can dance, whatever. It just has to be 5K. And um, yeah, you can record your journey. Um, We have some shirts that you can buy. Um, And yeah, it's just a, a way that we're hoping to have our like big fundraiser this year, but also have some fun with it.
2: If um if folks listening want to get involved with amore beyond uh the fourth, uh how could they do that? How could they help you?
4: Um go to our website um at amore umri.org. And we have a page, it's called um let me see, what is it called? Initiatives. And basically, you can see all the different things that we do and click on any one of the forms to get involved. Um, So, we have different teams for our network. Um, So, if you're a mental health counselor, you do physical body wellness things, and you want to get involved in that capacity, you can get involved in our um, community care team, for example. Or if you're interested in becoming a support line operator, um, you can click that you're interested in that and we can sign you up for our next operator training um, if you want to get involved in our work against the wyatt detention center um, you can click on that um, form and we'll be in contact with you to um, get you involved with our team you can meet us we can see where we want to go from there
0: hell yeah and also um real quick um amore is an acronym in two languages what um what does the what does amor mean when it comes to those two acronyms?
3: Okay, amor. Um, in Spanish, amor is love. I mean in in English. Um, that's what we want to do that we don't criminalize people, we are not like the system, we welcome everybody in our community. And I know now we have working in the community for more than five years and has been really hard because the need is bigger than we go. Then uh, we want to support everybody, but it's so difficult because resources is not enough or not. We don't really have enough uh, resources to support each community members, but we do our best and we support those people that they don't get uh support in any other place because they like your case or your situation or you are criminal or whatever they are uh, stigmatized in other place then we welcome them like i said i will not say now that oh we uh cover all the need because the need is big and we can it's just uh just hard but yes the most support that we have the better we can support our community members and that's why like if people is interested to join to the effort or to to a more network that's why it's a more network because we connect people to other resources that more couldn't give to the people but also we have our own resources that we support people i think that's why Mean a more like, yeah, welcome everybody. Doesn't matter who you are.
4: Yeah, Amor is a community. That's what I like to say. Is like Amor isn't like just the people who work for Amor. Amor is so much more than that. Um, we can't do what we do without the community members who put in their energy and time into making what we do possible. Um, So when we say connect people to resources, oftentimes we're just connecting people to other people in the community um, who who want to support people. Um, So yeah, in Spanish, it's Alianza para Movilizar Nuestra Resistencia, right? Alliance to mobilize our resistance.
0: Hell yeah. So yeah, um, for those listening, you were told various ways you can help out a more other ways you can help out more is maybe if you have any donations, you can go on their website. Or, you know, for those who listen to us who are involved in things like the music scene, like myself, for example. Um, you know, doesn't hurt to throw a benefit punk show and give the money to a more. Um, anything anything helps. <laughs>
4: if you are bilingual or you're interested in getting involved as an interpreter (coughs) support in that way, like that's also a great way to get um, to join us. Um, And also we have a transportation team, people who give people rides. Um, So if that's something you're interested in doing, we would love to have you. Um, And also um, we have a driver's license campaign um, that we we're working on as well. So that's to get folks who are undocumented access to driver's licenses in the state of Rhode Island. Um, so yeah.
0: Hell yeah. Again, listeners, uh, if you wanna know more about Amore and look them up, whether it's on Facebook or Instagram and I, maybe Twitter, it, just type in Amore R-I and you should be able to find them. Um, from there, I guess we can get into the last part. Usually we like asking like fun questions and like uh, just fun questions uh, for our guests.
1: Tobias, do you have any questions? Oh, I was about to ask, um, did you guys, were you guys involved in the uh, Licencias para Todos in, uh, uh Boston?
3: Um, Yes, because we need to learn from them and also Boston. I, I mean, Massachusetts is the big state here and kind of hopefully uh, Rhode Island follow them because now they've passed it almost there, they need to do other step to finalize that bill or like pass that bill completely. But there are more advanced than Rhode Island. That's why we need to connect with them because, and also you, we said like okay, I'm not only work in Rhode Island. The true also we have people in Massachusetts that we support because, you know, people here like uh in in or also in like what is the other city here that is close from here. People prefer to come here than going to Boston, for example, to ask for a lawyer, so ask support and all of that part. That's why we are so connected with them. And also there in Massachusetts, there is uh, around three or four uh, detention centers where they uh, uh, detain immigrants. We really have like a good connection with with Massachusetts. That's why, yes, (laughs) in different way we, uh, we work with them.
0: Hell yeah. Uh, Yeah, those fun questions. Um, If Alex would probably want to start off and we'll go from there. What's your favorite breakfast foods? (laughs) Your ideal breakfast.
2: Wake up in the morning and the the ideal meal is there.
3: Okay. Uh, I like uh, pancakes with all the kind of berries and a cup of coffee. And with um maple cider, that's what I need. Pancakes, <laughs> hey,
2: that's a good answer.
4: I like I, I actually okay. I thought this was a hard question and then I thought about it and I don't think it is. Um okay, maybe it's a little bit difficult. Okay, eggs benedicts always is nice, but then I also like biscuits and gravy. Mm. Is really nice if it's done right.
1: Did you have
2: a chance? Wait, so you weren't in Atlanta, though, right? Yes, I was. You were? Did you have a chance to have biscuits and gravy in Atlanta?
4: We went to the Waffle House once everybody got out um, that morning. It was wild. It was really great. Their, pan- their, their waffles are really good. Um, yes. They didn't have any gravy, but I did have their biscuits. They were great.
2: What did they have with their biscuits, then, if there was no gravy?
4: I think it was just, like, butter. I don't know if I you know I don't I've never that was the second time I've been to a waffle house so I feel like I don't know really. Yeah. Um but yeah, I was surprised though that they didn't have like chicken and biscuits on the menu because I feel like that's a very southern thing. Yeah. That I wish we had more of uh in Rhode Island but it was still really good.
2: Uh if you had to pick one Gatorade color what
4: would it be? Oh, that's such a hard question. Kata, do you drink Gatorade?
3: Yeah, sometimes, I don't usually drink, but yes, sometimes I do. I think the yellow one that is lime flavor kind of, I like Uh, that orange one, that's it. No blue one, no the other colors. (laughs)
2: Specifically no blue. Wow. A lot of people choose the blue one. And
3: I was gonna I like say that.
4: the blue one, maybe the purpley blue one. That's but I also don't drink Gatorade like ever. So I just feel like that's from a long time ago. A long mm. memory.
2: I think they have a lot of different
1: colors now. Yeah. I feel like
3: different. I don't know. I don't like anything blue to eat.
1: <laughs> I feel like I've never been clear on what blue flavoring means because they like, say like blue raspberry, but like What is that? (laughs) What is is a blue raspberry? Because
4: there's like a blackberry and then there's a raspberry, but there's no such thing as a blue raspberry. Yeah,
1: they Mm. could be. They could be putting like you know just straight garbage from like the just uh They could just be taking um trash from a dump and putting it in my drink, and I would be totally cool with that because I (laughs) love blue raspberry.
2: (laughs) Do uh do. Uh, either of you drink alcohol at all?
3: <laughs> I, I do.
2: What's your favorite drink?
3: Favorite drink? I don't know. Uh, uh, okay, maybe margarita. I don't really drink.
0: Hell
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I. <I'm, laughs> yeah, I just. It's just difficult. How? What is my favorite? Because. Yeah, okay, maybe I usually do beer and wine, but I don't think if they are my favorite. But when I like do something special, then I do margarita or mojitos, even though they are more alcoholic than stuff. That's why I don't usually do them. But Mm -hmm. I think that's mean that when I do them is because they are my favorite, maybe, or special kind of.
0: My personal favorite is usually twisted tea, pretty and packed full of a drink. But yeah, I'm um, going from there. If y'all had any, you know, if y'all had any superpower you desired, what would it be? Any superpower?
4: I'm gonna go first, cause I know this question. I have this answer on, on lock. Um, the ability to learn anything instantly. Hell yeah. Just like anything.
3: Okay, for me to travel anywhere, anytime with no yeah. no flying nothing it's just like moving in time so quick <laughs> that's <it> to do
2: <laughs> so like not just traveling from point a to point b but also traveling in time right back yeah, in, time it's like forward in time you're just
3: thinking and you be in that place you are here and you're there that's not paying, oh, like not having money all that thing no that's, traveling. That's,
2: is- that's a powerful superpower because that means that <laughs> like if you're about to die, you could just be like, okay, let's go back 10 minutes and I know it's gonna happen so I can just fix it, you know? You can, ne- you'll never die.
1: <laughs> to, the, um, to the learning one, learning everything, did you pick learning intentionally instead of saying knowing everything?
4: Because I feel like that that's a difference. I love that difference. No, I think, because it's like, if I can learn a language, right? and I know what things mean. And like, I, it's not, I didn't just like, it's not like it just arrived in my mind and I know. It's yeah. like, I actually have learned it immediately. So then I'm like fluent, you know, that's yeah. that's the thought. That was the origins of that thought. But yeah. also it would apply to like dancing and like, you know, like um, physical, like I could like learn martial arts or something, you know, I'm just be like a really good fighter. I needed to um yeah like instantly because I think I really love to learn but it always takes so long
2: I think the flash has that ability Mm -hmm. because he can like read super fast
0: yes and then his brain not only is he super fast in speed he has brain fast brain yeah yeah love love heroes and comics but yeah for the most part um Thank you all for coming on again for our listeners. um, Amor is an amazing network. They do a lot of great work. If there's any way you can help them out from the ways we describe, totally do so. Um, But yeah, if there's anything else y'all would like to say.
3: No, I think thank you for inviting us and yeah, that people, the listeners enjoy the weather and yeah connect with the community because nobody else is going to support us only us we in community and I think that's it and I mean is there yeah is there a Providence and Island community Mm -hmm.
4: yeah Yeah. thank you so much I'm I'm just like you know all of the work y'all do to connect with folks in the community is really powerful and different platforms like we see you out there and like appreciate everything that um, you do. And I feel like you're a trusted resource um, about Providence. I don't, you know, sometimes I'll lose track of like stuff that's happening, like in social scenes. Like we do movement work, but like what's happening. So, um, so yeah, thanks for inviting us.
1: Hell yeah. Great talking to talk with you guys. Yeah.
4: Thank
0: you. Thank you. This week's featured episode Is going to be Drag Me to Hell by Bulletproof Backpack. Bulletproof Backpack is a local hardcore band, really great band full of youth of Providence slash Rhode Island. And yeah, the song comes from their recent album that you can find on Bandcamp called Coercive and Flammable. So we'll be playing that right now. Take care. we